let's get ready for some serious shift. This is a podcast, Shifting Inside Out, hosted by your quantum shifter, Angie McCourt. We are diving into ways to empower and enable a quantum shift. Inspiring topics, hacks, and guest speakers take us on a journey around authenticity, challenging status quo, personal power, and living a purpose-filled life. we talk about Stephanie Gallard's journey as well as some really interesting, amazing work she's doing in the space of embracing a well-being culture inside of companies and the work she's doing with leaders on how to have the conversations about what well-being and wellness means to their teams. And it's amazing because over the past probably decade, maybe not quite as long for many companies, a lot of um, companies have really started to put programs in place around fitness and that from a physical perspective, that support system and encouragement and different programs that allow their employees and their colleagues to be able to have more physical fitness in their life. Over the past few years, we've started to see more companies focus on mental health. And especially during COVID, this has become a really important topic. And what Stephanie's focused on and has been for many years now is helping companies to create the culture, not just the programs around well-being, which is super important because there are a lot of different pieces to this that really help colleagues and employees to be able to show up in their best form, to be able to feel like they have the right support, to have the right environment and the right culture to support overall well-being. We are human. We do not separate our human selves when we show up to work versus in our personal life. And I just love this conversation with Stephanie. She also goes into a big niche, very big focus that she's doing coming up is called Midlife Optimized. And this is so important, especially for me, maybe not all of you are in your midlife, but I have found this so unbelievably inspirational because As you get to midlife, a lot of old conditioning and old programming starts dictating how you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to do, timelines against everything, and how you're supposed to show up in this world. And what's incredible is if you could break through those conditionings, you actually find that you could be the most physically fit, the most mentally fit, the most emotionally balanced, and Take that into a new way of being and showing up in the world, like writing a book or starting a business. And this is where a lot of people can have the opportunity to take maybe experience and wisdom and skills that they've learned over many years in a career and shift them into something different that they really want to do. So I love this conversation. It is incredible. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode as you listen. You can find me on LinkedIn at Angie Belts McCourt and on Instagram at Angie underscore McCourt. So without further ado, let's hear from Stephanie. All right, Stephanie, welcome to Shifting Inside Out. I am so grateful to have you on this episode. To get started, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, Angie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to have this conversation with you today and have really been enjoying your podcast. I'm thrilled to be a guest. 
Well, my name is Stephanie Gillard, and I am a workplace wellness consultant with my company, The Energy Advantage, and I am a midlife health coach with my company, Midlife Optimized. Very good. I love it. I cannot wait to get into this for the listeners. <laughs> Before we start, though, um, I always love to start with um, some quick round questions so the listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Everybody gets the same questions. So um, first one is, what is your morning ritual? Oh, I love this. I love this question because I have had an interesting journey with with creating morning ritual and and um, I have uh, without going into kind of my the whole journey of it, I will say that I have become a true believer um, in in the morning ritual and have found a way to have both a kind of more simplified morning ritual for myself that I can really commit to every day. And then when I have the space and can give myself the time, a more expanded morning ritual. So I'll tell you kind of what some of the um, kind of the, the essential or the, the, the usual day for me, a, a part of my morning ritual. Um, I start off, this one's maybe a little bit of a, of a weird one, but I start off with my, my Lumen which is a metabolic tracker that I, I started using um, a little less than a year ago and uh, sitting by my bedside. So I start off with this weird little breathing into my, into my lumen and really trying to mindfully work on um, creating metabolic flexibility mm. and learning more about how my body responds. And first thing in the morning is the best time to, to do that. Um, so that's the first thing. And uh, the second thing I do is something I didn't used to do when I was in my thirties, or maybe I started doing it in my forties, but I do it pretty religiously now. And that is I make my bed. Ooh, yes. And, <laughs> and I love it. It's such a geeky thing, but it's like a made bed makes me so happy now. The next yes. thing I do, and this one I always do wherever I'm at, if I'm a guest or if I'm in a hotel, I drink a tall glass of water, mm -hmm. rehydrate my body. Um, it's something I don't even have to think about anymore. Uh, and after that, I usually go outside. I have a, a Boston Terrier, so he gives me a reason to have to go outside first thing. <laughs> but I stand outside and I actually like intentionally um, let light into my eyes. And um, that's partly to just kind of it feels good and energize myself. I'm lucky I live in Florida. There's sunlight almost every day, all the time. Um, but there's so much good research, too, that uh, letting sunlight into your eyes first thing in the morning really helps to set your cortisol and your um, melatonin levels to help you have energy in the daytime and help you wind down and sleep with appropriate melatonin levels in the evening. Yes. Um, then I brew my coffee. While my coffee's brewing, I do a little uh, stretching, just easy, gentle stretching. And then I sit and drink my coffee. I either do a little bit of journaling or I'll do a little bit of a, a kind of a, a mindfulness ritual, listen to something that kind of is inspirational uh, or maybe send a gratitude text. Mm. And that's kind of the the shape. Wow, my, that is beautiful. Ritual. Yes. So the Lumen, I've heard of that. I've done a metabolic reboot with Erin um, Powers, and she mentioned that it was the first time I had ever heard of it, but I haven't gotten one. But now you're the second person in like a month and a half that has mentioned that. So I'm like, okay, I think I need to do that. I think I need to explore it again. It's if you're kind of a data geek, it's it's a cool thing to have. I have to when I first got it, I went a little crazy with it. Okay. I was constantly like, you know, okay, <laughs> let me see what after I eat. Now now before I eat, before I go to the, and they want you to do that because yeah. it sets, you know, it sets to your particular um uh, body, but uh, it's a, it is a good extra tool if you like to have a little more data about what your body's doing. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I love it. Okay. I'm definitely going to go back and look at that again. <laughs> All right. Number two, uh, how do you renew your energy? Mm. The number one thing I, I think for me in, in renewing my energy is, is being outside, um, 
even if it's just kind of briefly. So I find that during the day, I work, you know, like so many people, I work from from home. I'm, you know, working alone most of the time, and um, it, it can feel a little. Uh, depleting just the being alone and being indoors. Mm -hmm. And so just literally stepping outside, even if it's just uh, walking to my mailbox or doing a quick, you know, quick walk with my dog. And then usually when I do that, I'll run into a neighbor who's walking their dog. And so I think that combination of being outside and having a little bit of interaction, Mm -hmm. that's not, uh, it's not outcome based, mm-hmm. you know, it's just kind of being yeah. for, for a couple of minutes. So that's a, that's a little one on the bigger, like really resetting and re-energizing, um, travel. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I just, I love to learn about new places and new and new people. And even if it's, you know, it, it doesn't have to be traveling to a whole new country mm-hmm. or across the country. It can just be traveling to a place that's different than my normal surroundings mm-hmm. I think changing my surroundings mm-hmm. is kind of the common denominator there. Yeah. I, um, it's interesting too, because my husband and I always say there is so much to do in Florida that most people have no idea. They haven't even heard of most of what you can actually do, where you can go, all of the history and the exploration that you could do so like true. right in one state. Um, and it's, it's incredible when you actually start so exploring true. and opening up to different things. Yeah. And you can get to so many of these places, you, yeah. know, you could do day trips. Yeah. And um, yes, I, I'm originally from California and the state of California is like that too. There are you know, so many different, you can be in a completely different kind of landscape. And I'm still, I've been in Florida for seven years, almost eight years now, and there's still so much I haven't seen. So it, it is, it's, it's really um, just getting, get in, in your car for an hour and drive mm-hmm. in one direction and you can be in a completely different environment. Yeah. I love that. Yes, exactly. Like I love it too. That's fantastic. Okay. What is your guilty pleasure? <laughs> guilty pleasure. It's funny, you know, when the, the idea of guilty pleasure, like, do we go to food? Do we go to like, what's that, <laughs> that thing that we watch on Netflix that we like try and remove from our history mm. so that nobody sees it? <laughs> For me, I, the thing that comes to mind um, is I, one of my guilty pleasures is true crime limited series. Okay. I am like, as soon as a new one comes along, I am, I am in, Uh you know, what's this story about? And I, I, it's, it's, there's this, it's it's guilty because you can kind of see the way that they tell the stories are a little bit manipulative in terms of like, you know, they set it up for it to be like uh, these kind of cliffhangery things. So you have to watch the next, the next series. But I think I'm just kind of fascinated by, by, people's lives and um and there's so many stories that are being 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 told now in this particular format so yeah true crime true crime drama wow Um, nice now have you always dreamed of like being a detective or an fbi hmm. agent or cia agent or anything like that like do you have that little kind of fantasy stephanie in your head (laughs) that's that's a good question i haven't really i hadn't thought about that but i i do I mean, this does track back, you know, to early. I mean, I, I was, you know, too, like from a young age. Well, we all remember the, the Law and Order, you know, mm-hmm. it being it. I mean, I could watch Law and Order when I was younger. I, if I, I would binge watch before we had, before we were able to binge watch <laughs> yeah. on Netflix, if you had like whatever Bravo or whatever the channel was and it was on over and over. Um, so I've always been interested, I think, in the puzzle of crime. Mm-hmm as well as the human psychology behind mm-hmm. it. So I think it's more like the, the, my interest in human psychology, like what makes people do the things that they do yeah. um, and then trying to figure out the, the motivation uh-huh. and, and all of that. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. Usually what I've found, because I'm very much into those kinds of shows as well, like I got to solve it. You know, I, I want to yeah, solve it. I yeah, want to be the yeah. hero to solve it. <laughs> yeah. If I'm watching it with someone, I'll pause it and say, so what do you think? Like, I want to like <laughs> yeah. be sorting it out and kind of yeah. guessing along the way yeah. of like, wh- where is this going? You know, who, you know, is this person really guilty or what's the, what's, what's really going on underneath here? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I love, I love that. The, I love the puzzle that is human beings and it gets kind of, you know, it, that it, it's at its most kind of intensely expressed yes. when you're dealing with, 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 uh, with criminal behavior. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah. exactly. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Um, so I am really excited about having you on the show in this episode because you have just such an amazing journey that you've been on that has led you into starting your own company that has now led you into really, really focusing on the niche of in this midlife, and I'm going to call it out, middle-aged <laughs> time where for so many of us, it's this sense of we're on the downhill of life, but your focus is really about shifting people into a different way of viewing and a different way of looking at it. And I would just love for you to start sharing your journey and just we, let's get into conversation about what your views are on all of this. So it's be fantastic. My background actually is in nonprofit leadership. And I started working in the performing arts many, many years ago, actually initially on the stage and then as a director and then as a leader and then moved into nonprofit um, leadership and working as a nonprofit CEO for a number of years. I say all that as kind of the initial kind of foundation for this journey that I've had that's surprised me as much as anything, starting off as um, a young person in my in my teens and early 20s who really loved the stage and uh, loved performing and loved storytelling and learned through a lot of my training um, a, a real appreciation of the integration between mind and body to mm-hmm. bring stories and characters to life. And that kind of seed of that, that er, those early experiences and those early studies really evolved for me over time in very unexpected ways. Um, I found that I really thrived in, in leadership and um, had the opportunity to lead organizations um, eventually outside of the arts as well as a, a nonprofit CEO. And all through that journey, uh, I gathered and kind of independently um, learned about the connection between physical well-being, mental well-being, and leadership, and that was my that was really my focus for for a long time. Um, and around 2015, I started to kind of formalize my my certifications and studies around uh, well-being and leadership. Um, receiving a certification as a master certified energy energy leadership practitioner. Um, a health coach and even a, a personal trainer because my passion for for physical fitness and really eager to integrate all of those things. Um, and I started my what at that time was a side hustle, my business, the Energy Advantage, and um, started doing consulting and workshops on integration of leadership and well-being, really helping to mm-hmm. kind of um, bring a dimensional approach to how leaders and managers show up in the workplace and and how they take care of themselves and their organizations from the the vantage point of um, mindset and physical well-being. And over the last year or so, I've been working on what I'm most excited about, which is kind of the next chapter, I think, in my own well-being journey, and that is the launch of Midlife Optimized. 
I am in my early 50s and I am really passionate about helping men and women my age really look at what practices from a from a physical and mental fitness standpoint. I call it mind and body fitness. We can adopt to really take this time in our lives which is it is an extraordinary time in life. It's that time where we have built this life experience. We have in many ways kind of um, where many of us are kind of our children are, are, are grown or they're at that place where they're moving into their their next chapter. Our careers are often kind of we've reached a point of, of success. And uh, this is the time to really optimize our lives and what we've achieved and what we've what we know. Um, but many of us are held back because one, we don't have maybe the energy that we, we once had. Two, we kind of are given all this pressure that kind of comes at us about what it means to be this age. And gosh, the clock is ticking. And how much time do you have left? And aren't you too old for that? Um, so I am extremely passionate. And personally, I've made a, a significant career pivot. I've experienced in my own life and in my family the, the difficulties of, of health challenges that can really hold people back and have learned to really adopt a way of promoting mental and physical wellness that's not dependent upon perfection. It's not dependent mm-hmm. upon, well, I can be healthy and live an energized, optimized life when, or I could do that if. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's the, uh, the, the premise, the mission is really to uh, help people f- find what their optimal mind and body fitness is at midlife so that they have the energy, the uh, excitement, the vision, the focus to do all those things that you you want to do and to live out not just your midlife, but well beyond actively and engaged in life. Yeah. I have a, um, I have a question. As you were explaining kind of the, the first part of your journey, intertwining that with leadership, Nowadays, a lot more companies are starting to put an emphasis on wellness and well-being, um, not just from the physical perspective, but also the mental health perspective, and not just from a programmatic perspective, like the depth of when a company says we're going to commit to the well-being of our employees or our colleagues, like what does that mean to mm-hmm. you in your world of trying to get these companies in leadership to really adopt not just programmatically but culturally yes such an important question and and i would say that that cultural shifts are far more important than any programmatic introductions any initiatives um, that organizations can can make so you know historically wellness programs in in businesses have included biometric tracking and maybe more recently let's do step contests and those things all have can have great value but only if they're supported by a culture where human beings can be human beings in work and i think the old way of approaching business and war and and employee kind of what what's expected of employees and of leaders is that we kind of leave our we leave our human selves on all the complicated things that come along with that, as well as all of some of the many strengths and, and yeah. d- dimensions to us, but leave those things 
um, out in the parking lot before you go into the office or at, at home or now in the other room if you're working from home, but to really <laughs> separate out these parts of ourselves. And so the integration of the whole self, which what does that look like? Part of it looks like just one, making it okay to uh, really creating an environment where it is okay to talk about um, here are the things that I need, here's what helps me work optimally, here are the, here are the barriers to, to that for me, here's what's going on right now that, um, you know, uh, where I'll need some, you know, some adjustments because I can perform more optimally given these other things going on in my life. If I'm able to work this kind of a schedule or it's, it's about really having conversations, um, Mm. and making this, making it safe to do so. Um, there's so many more kind of elements to that 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 we can go into if you like, but I think that that's the, that would be, I think it would be great because the, here's the deal. The listeners, they're made up of leaders and they're made up mm-hmm. of, of potential leaders is, is what I'd like to call them, right? And leader doesn't mean you have to be managing people. Yeah. Leader means that you can bring new ideas and yes. you can drive innovation and you can future-proof concepts. Um, that to me is leadership, is bringing those forward Absolutely. in this state of how do we incorporate more of those conversations around well-being. I feel like those leaders... This is an opportunity for people to take a leadership role in that conversation and starting those. What I would love for you to arm them yep. with how do they do that? How do they even bring this forward inside their company? So one of the kind of essential things I, I, I promote for um, integration of workplace well-being culture is to make it a part of your, your agenda. At your mm. regular meeting agendas. And then I work with companies to help them identify how, well, how do you do that? Does that mean we have to sit and meditate together for, you know, 10 minutes every day? <laughs> um, it can. <laughs> some, you know, some uh, teams respond really well to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but not at all. It doesn't at all have to be that. There are other ways of making well-being and doing wellness check-ins as part of the agenda that works for your team. And, and I'm, you know, I've, I've worked with with managers and leaders who um, some of them are very uncomfortable with the concept of well-being being even a conversation in the workplace. You know, that, that, that kind of um, traditional idea of like, we don't talk about this at work. And now mm-hmm. as the leader, I'm expected to bring this into our meeting agenda. What? <laughs> no, please. <laughs> um, so helping, helping um, people who are kind of on that end um, recognize that, you know, what if you asked your, your team at the beginning of the meeting, um, you know, scale of one, one to 10, what's, where are you today? Mm-hmm. That, that works for, you know, in some, in certain, yeah. some perspectives, that kind of very simple calculation works. You're at a, you're at a six. Okay. Is there anything the team can do to help you get to a seven today or an eight? What would that look like? Um, and for a more, you know, a team that's more comfortable with, with well-being practices, um, there's I offer a, a, a list of kind of here are the 10 characteristics of um, well-being within teams. Mm. Spend some time, take, take a, a meeting one month that added an additional 30 minutes to that meeting. Take, take that time and have a conversation with your team. Where, where are we doing really well from a well-being standpoint and where could we specifically improve? What do we as a team want to work on because it's essential inside of these kinds of conversations that there is something that I like to call it positive accountability, which means there is a kind of an agreement within the team that we're going to work, we're going to do something to make these things better. And in order to do that, we all have to kind of agree to, to 
compromise, to give a little, to recognize that kind of like living in a family or in a community, in the workplace, you can't simply focus on your own well-being, personal well-being, and ask everyone else to do the same and then create a culture of, well, of wellness. Because we, we, yeah. we affect one another, right? If we, don't have, yes. if we don't have specific kinds of understandings about what does it mean to protect someone's calendar so that they've got the headspace to do the work they need to do and to really show up right. with, with, with energy and focus. If we don't have some ground rules around that, then you can have your personal you know, standards, your kind of personal rules all you, all you like, but you're being impacted by the people you work with and you are impacting the people you work with. And we don't all respond to the same thing. So that those conversations are, are so, so important. And then I think that this is the thing that's the hardest for leaders. In fact, it comes up time and time again, is modeling, mm-hmm. modeling well-being, <laughs> modeling what does it look like to be human, to be vulnerable, to yes. be working to, to put things in balance. It doesn't mean you have to be the cover of the magazine success story on how to do it, but working on it and sharing with your team. I'm working yes. on this and here are some things I'm doing. Yeah. That makes it I've, creates an environment where others yes. oh, okay, this is this actually we mean it. This isn't just a yes. uh, you know, these these aren't just words. Yes. I found that when it's just words, it does not work. When it's modeled in the authentic way that the words were spoken and the commitment was made, that is when it works yes. because People are going to mirror what they see. They're going to reflect that in order to be successful, I have to do what my leader is doing yeah. and what these other leaders are doing. And if they're on vacation checking email all the time, it's fine if you want to check once in a while. But if you're on your phone all the time when you're supposed to be relaxing and like not thinking about yes. work so that you can recoup, because that's what ultimately vacation is all about, then the, the problem is, is that, first of all, it shows that you don't trust your team. Yeah. That's a big issue, right? right? And that's part of well-being too. And it also shows that it's it's um, not acceptable to totally check out. Mm-hmm. And I think where a lot of people are really trying to find that balance of, I really want to check out when I go on vacation. I don't want to think about this. That the leaders do have an extra role, very, mm-hmm. very conscientious role to play in how they're doing that. Yes. Another one is... Um, oh, I'm not feeling well today. Well, especially with remote working, it's like, well, I'm still home, so I'll get on for this call or I'll do this report. The problem is, especially when the leader doesn't follow through with resting and not working, their team members won't do that either. And then the, the sickness stretches out. People can actually feel resentful because they feel like I can't even get better. I can't even heal myself. I can't even take space to heal myself because I feel this pressure or this like unsaid expectation that I need to be here even if I'm sick. You are and so right. It's, yes. Oh, it's, it's crazy, but this is how we work. It this is. is. our minds work. And I hear that all the time from, from staff members. They say, well, my company says that mm-hmm. it's okay to take this time but there's kind of everyone kind of knows that if you've got a big project you're working on you're really expect, you know there's there's the unstated yes. um and that's something that's really that's serious and you know that's yeah. that because that that means that not only uh are you not giving 
staff members the opportunity to to take the space that they need to be healthy to be their most productive because for from an organizational company standpoint that is what we want we want productive or productive uh, businesses our people are what will get us there so when we do things that not only um, undercut that but we we combine that with a branding of of a diff something else this is what we stand for and then we don't follow through on that then we also lose trust Yes. Because now we're saying one thing out of one, one side of our mouth, but we're actually creating an environment that is very something very different. I think that I want to acknowledge, though, it is it is really challenging to figure out for businesses and organizations what is the new metric then, if mm-hmm. if you know for being a successful, really dedicated uh, member of a team, because that is historically yeah. and our generations is something that I, I talk about in my, in my work with midlifers is like, that's our generation, you know, just, man, just dig in. You just do it, yep. <laughs> do it until it's done. And you, you know, if it hurts, it hurts. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. that was how we really measured, um, yeah. success, productivity. So for leaders to, um, look at their own organizations and define and determine how can we redefine success not by min- by undercutting productivity that's just, that's not going to work mm-hmm. but by understanding like one trusting that productivity actually improves when people have breaks during the day when people have pto that's truly pto all of these things that we're kind of reluctant to to give they feel like losses to the organization trusting that and then and then helping again to model this is what uh, measurement of of successes. I had a, I worked uh, with a, a nonprofit CEO recently who took a, a three week vacation to Europe, and he hadn't done nice. it since well before COVID. And um, and he said, you know, three years ago, I don't think I could have done this without checking in constantly. Mm-hmm. And he said, I had I had one check in because I had to meet with my board, but otherwise, I I didn't check in at all. And one, he said, I had empowered my team before I left Yep. and let them know that this was my goal for mm-hmm. my, and when I came back and things had gone really well, business had moved forward, programs had moved mm-hmm. forward. I made a you know, really big deal of noting that this is yes. what success looks like. So, you know, I, the, the fact that I was able to do this and the company yes. you know, ran just great without me, that's how it yes. should be. And when, yes. and when director over here does the same, the same thing should, should happen. So those are ways of kind of starting to re, uh, to shift the narrative around what success looks like in business. Yeah. And your point about positive accountability, like empowerment is very much a thrown around, around word that, um, a lot of leaders are like, Oh, I'll just empower this person to make this decision or to do this task. And so while I go on vacation, I'll just say, Hey, you guys pick this up for me. But the missing piece, the jelly on the peanut butter sandwich is uh, the enablement. And so the, the opportunity in all of this, I think is yes, empower your teams to one, speak up, to be able to work together, um, to be able to problem solve together, empower them to make decisions within the team that allow for this dynamic not to be um, handed off whenever you're not available, but to be part of the whole integration of how we're working together, but then enable them to do that too. Give them the tools, give them the training, make sure they feel confident, have the conversations and ask what they need, right? So in that piece of it, 
when I think about where kind of this future opportunity of measuring how we're doing, you know, a lot of companies have started like measuring value, their values and how people are performing their values as part of like performance management or those conversations. But a lot of the values are really honed in around, again, getting the work done, not necessarily how we're doing it. Maybe sometimes integrity is in there, so that's how we're doing it. But also from a um, how are we supporting each other and how are we how are we allowing ourselves to show up as humans? How can we add those values into the system of measurement mm-hmm. and even positive accountability? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's like a, a thing that's popping in my head right now as you're talking through this. Yeah, and there, you know, we're, I think we're we're moving in a direction where there's going to be increasingly more data to support what culture shifts uh, mm-hmm. end up producing because it, you know it is it's easier to measure. Uh, okay, we have this many hours worked, and this is you know the, the result of that. That's that those kinds of measurements are um, easier and faster to 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 account for. But things like, well, we we work in an environment where everyone is uh, expected to take a, a lunch break, and calendar calendars are uh, uh, are blocked for you know calendar blocking yes. is encouraged, and everyone is expected yes. to respect that. Well, how do you measure the impact of that? Um, mm-hmm. But there are companies like Limeade is one of them that are doing some really um, interesting and valuable um, research and, and starting to put some metrics to the overall kind of benefits of cultures that are adopting these practices um, and you know, finding some, you know, here are the th- things that seem to work, work better than other things. But the early data and the, th- the things that I'm hearing and reading are really indicating that that you have a lot less uh, employee turnover, that mm-hmm. in professional development is, is stronger. So you have people who are moving up within organizations mm-hmm. and leaders are reporting a greater ability to to lead. Because what mm-hmm. happens when you, what you were talking about is spot on, like that ability to not just say, I'm going to hand these things off to you because I'm going to go away, but to really build teams that are empowered with the tools mm-hmm. to, to, do their, to, do, to lead at their level. Mm-hmm. So that you, at whatever level you're at of leadership, you can be a little higher up on the ladder looking around for more of a macro view. And yes. and when leaders are dipping down, you know, the steps of the ladder to get into the weeds and taking, you know, because they don't trust their teams or they don't have the teams they need, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, that's not that's not effective for the organization. That's not optimized for the organization. So um, these kinds of practices, we are seeing that that leadership is uh, is able to, to visualize and innovate more and um, make just make better decisions. Um, so yes. I'm looking forward to more data around some of these practices coming out. I think that we'll be seeing that in the coming years. Yeah, I think it's interesting too, because you, you mentioned about like the personal and professional growth and development. Um, when What I found in, in leading teams is when people feel um, supported to get out of their comfort zone or to go out to their growth edge and to try something new and take on something new, when they feel fully supported in that, and not just from words perspective, but from a constant encouragement, a tie-in, a, you know, the leader saying, you know, how are you doing with this? What can I help with? And really giving that acknowledgement and feedback in a timely manner of how well they just handled something that 
it may at the surface level not have been like a special event to call out, but that they really did well in influencing a conversation. They did well in breaking through some kind of conflict, like really just acknowledging and being conscientious of that, having the time to really put that mindfulness behind how to grow and develop a team and individuals on that team. That takes the connection, that takes the personal conversation about what is needed, what is expected, what do they believe is that person's potential and what are the possibilities they have. And when you do that, like it's incredible what that person will blossom into. And you know, this is this is where we talk about building teams and high performing teams and and you know, just because your team does a certain level of work doesn't mean that they can't do it the best that's ever been done or in a way that's much more efficient or in a way that's much more um, impactful to whether it's a customer or an internal um, customer. You know, there's so many things that benefit when you spend the time, but it really is not a cookie cutter approach. It is individual. It is uh, very conscientious um, strategy with that person and also being there to support them along the way. And I think that that's, um, that's if you can build in some of those pieces, you can now take and apply that to the well-being culture as well. Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think personal and professional development is essential in creating a wellness culture in, in business. People want to grow. They mm-hmm. need to. That's yes. kind of our, yes. we are compelled to, to, to grow mm-hmm. and to learn and to expand. And everyone, regardless of you know how you would kind of as a leader rank someone's uh, work performance, mm-hmm. everyone wants to feel that they're contributing. Yes. And and that's where that recognition piece comes in, too, that you mentioned. It's so important. And that, that goes, you know, when I talked about there are a number of different ways to add uh, wellness onto the agenda. And yes. and another one is to do some recognition, do some, some, some gratitude call outs, not just you as the leader model that, but also have the team do that with one another. Yes. Um, and that really, that connects to the fact that we also want to feel one that we have value, as I said, but also connected to one another. And that's something we've definitely we've taken some steps back on since COVID. And um, we need to be really kind of intentional about where we can bring that back. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because um, kind of taking a big step back to um, when we used to <laughs> leave everything at the door, right? We left it at home or we left it at the door. Um, you know, people have had to work from their bedrooms. People work, that's their workspace, you know, so their coworkers have seen their bedroom, right? <laughs> it can't get a whole lot more personal than that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more personal, but it's, it's interesting because I almost feel like it's actually helped us break down a lot of barriers that allow for that deeper connection and compassion and empathy towards each other. So now it's like, okay, well, let's not lose that. Yes. Let's, let's build on that. How do we build on that? You know, <laughs> it, it, it did create this great opportunity as, as challenging as it's been. And, and there's no doubt been a lot of pain associated with this, yes. what there's been a lot of loss, but the opportunity and that, that is, I feel that we are in an opportunity unlike anything we've seen in terms of really being able to redefine work and, and life in ways that wouldn't have happened at this accelerated 
you know, rate with this kind of level of opportunity. Um, and this is actually kind of part of de- the development of a, of a wellness mindset too, is how quickly can we move off of the problem and move into the opportunity? Mm-hmm. The problem is the problem. Um, yeah. And there are things that are within our control and things that are not within our control, but what's the opportunity? And you just said it, we have here, we have the opportunity to, now that we've kind of, we've seen each other's dirty kitchens or we've seen the toddler, you know, uh, yep. you know, screaming <laughs> the in the background, <laughs> the, you know, all of the things. Um, and this really brought leaders kind of in to this kind of equal, you know, less kind of mm-hmm. maybe intimidating um, uh, uh, frame, frame of my frame, you know, perspective. Um, it is an opportunity. Let's, let's, let's intentionally, hold on to that because a lot has gotten done. A lot has been accomplished during this time, despite the fact that we've had all of these hurdles. So we know we can get the work done and we can show up as humans together. Mm -hmm. That is beautiful. And so now taking that into midlife, Mm. um, because, you know, there's this, um, programming that all of us midlifers have had, which is all around um, everything equals hard work. <laughs> yeah. um, and yep. and also that there's kind of this um, linear path and it's one path. Mm. And this is what I do for the rest of my life. And then because it was modeled off of, you know, our parents or our grandparents. And so I, what are your thoughts on like how you envision really helping midlifers go through this transition of potential impossibilities, what I look at it as, because you're not held to the job you've had for the past 20 or 30 years. You're not held to that at all. Like there is so much more. And I think from, from a well-being perspective that when you, you take, you know, and approach it from the holistic perspective, yes, there's a, a new way that we can take care of our bodies, our temples. There's a new way that we can, um, create better mental health for ourselves, but there's also other things that we can contribute, that we can create, that we can now learn how to do. Um, it doesn't end here. So, mm-hmm. what what is your kind of mission, um, and what is your philosophy around this? The the first the first thing that that uh, is the the essential thing, and it and it touches on on everything else is getting into the mindset of being middle-aged. And I, I say that word, middle-aged, because those of us who are still <laughs> hear that, and we are like, wait, what? Uh-huh. Um, and there's so much judgment so around that yes. word. There's mm-hmm. so much uh, kind of old baggage of what that means. And so getting our arms around what that is, what are those things we're holding on to consciously or, or subconsciously, um, really recognizing them and recognizing, hey, it's not our fault. Like we live in a world, yeah. and I talk about this in, in my blog, that you know we really, not just our generation, every generation is, is sold a, 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 a kind of, I call, it, I call it the fear and loathing campaign against aging. And it's, we are a very youth, you know, obsessed culture. There's so many beautiful things about youth that we, uh, you know, that we admire and should be celebrated, but the compromise in, in, in how much youth has been in and now with social media, I think more, more than ever has been kind of the, um, not only what we see and what we identify, what value is and what life, you know, living life with vitality is we also kind of started to try and absorb 
the rules of youth, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Uh, best practices of youth, the you know mm-hmm. the lived experience of people yeah. 20, 30 years younger than us. So it's that first first of it is resetting and really okay. looking at you know what it's 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 okay. Let let let's let that if I can say, <laughs> let <Yes>. that go. <laughs> um, and then the next is to get into the specifics, like what, what is holding you back? Because there's, there is something, um, you know, if there is something for each of us that we, that, that we have in our, in our minds or physically we're holding in our bodies. And I will say, usually it is both. And so that's a lot of the work that I do is it the integration of the well-being of your body, what your body's able to do for you, directly to connect it to your to your mind and the way and your thoughts, mm-hmm. and vice versa. So I'm I'm really um, want to uh, help people by creating a physiological approach to midlife that yeah. that shifts the way they feel about their body, shifts the way they think, and mm-hmm. once that happens, the, the just the enthusiasm for life and the ability to you know that idea I had of this thing I wanted to do those suddenly become much more tangible. They can become much more, yes, yes, saying yes to things. Um, And you are so right. And I laughed when you said it because I am am of this generation, the work harder generation. Um, Hey, we do have lots of years in front of us, but we cannot take those for granted anymore. So we got to figure this out now. We got to figure this out now because if we're not taking care of these things now, we are going to slow down. We're going to slow down faster, faster than we think. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the, the next thing. And I think, you know, understanding that we cannot keep kind of thinking that we'll get to that. I'm, I, got, I can't slow down. I have to keep working at this pace. And we do create a, a really strong case for doing that because it's so entrenched. Got to keep working hard. I can't. I can't. I don't have the time. Um, so we need to get around that and really recognize that the reality is this is the time. Yeah. You cannot wait. Yes. It's so interesting because I, I hit 50 in January as well. So <laughs> um, right there with you. Yeah. Um, Gen X, you know, the Gen Xers are the hard worker and just yep. head down yep. and, and, you know, that's that's the way we were raised and how we do it. Um, but it's interesting because as I've shifted out of the corporate world, some of my conditioning has come Unloose, it has loosened hmm. up quite a bit. And I think that is so important when you're talking about that mindset shift. It's it's not just the the thoughts, but it's also the programming and the conditioning that we've had. And this whole like, okay, all of this, what it does is it leads up to retirement. Mm-hmm. But as I've stepped away from this and I've gone down a totally different path, I've like realized my whole view of retirement is very different than it ever was. And I view it as having more freedom to do the things that maybe I haven't necessarily had to do in the past or had the time to do in the past because of raising children or, you know, being really focused in the job or, you know, having extra commitments out in the community or whatnot. There's, there's um, this sense of making space to do the next thing, to do the thing that you always wanted to do, to go travel, to write the book, to, you know, do the podcast, to whatever it is that inspired you, learn an instrument, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be massive. Um, Although learning an instrument is not easy. (laughs) (laughs) I will will make a call out on that. Um, But it's, it's really interesting because I think there's such a huge opportunity here. This is such an opener for how can this generation, these, these middle-aged people, 
contribute that much more to yes. society yes. through creativity, through their intelligence and wisdom, through their experiences? How can they help generations behind us to skip all the crap that we went through? Exactly. I, you know, <laughs> I, I think that's one of the things that is where we look at kind of the focus on our generation and, and what we are currently doing and what we have the opportunity to do. One of those things we have the opportunity to do is make aging and this time in life less scary to the generations behind us. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, you know, I do some workshops on, on multi-generational teams and how to really thrive and create well-being through multi-generational so teams. And <laughs> one of the things that I talk about is you know what if we could stop you know kind of recognize that we really all have different things we have things to offer at every different stage of life Mm -hmm. and pay that back and pay it forward and and as well as appreciate um what the generations around us have we become richer and the life journey for each of us becomes a more healthful one because it's you know i would i wouldn't want to go back to being 25 and look at what the perception of aging is at that age mm-hmm. because it seems mm-hmm. like a scary, awful thing. I, and I, I write about this too because I, re- you know, I realized I was I was afraid of aging, starting at, as, uh, in like nineteen. I remember mm-hmm. thinking, you know, gosh, what's going to happen when I'm thirty? And you know, mm-hmm. that's a terrible way to to mm-hmm. to frame your life. I mean, we, yeah. and, and especially hopefully, if we do it, you know, if, if things go well and we're lucky, we get to get old. Yes, and exactly. so let's help to create a. a a story about that, a, a narrative around that, and a reality for ourselves and our own well-being, but also for the generations behind us. Um, you said something about, uh, you know, when we were talking about the 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 work kind of kind of mindset. Um, one of the things that I do in working with, um, I, I work with with a lot of women in one-on-one coaching with the integration of their professional lives with their um, their health and fitness. Mm-hmm. And uh, the conversation that we always kind of start, we start at the beginning, but we always kind of keep coming back to it is work wins, work wins, yeah. work wins. And the, the thing that I'm, um, you know, find happens over, over a few weeks of, our, of doing our work together is the thing that I say at the beginning is, well, nothing's winning when you're dividing yourself up and you're the yeah. smallest piece of the pie uh, of, the, of how you're dividing things up is your own physical and mental well-being. Like that's mm-hmm. that's nothing is going to, is going to be optimized when when you do that. So uh, getting up to that place of first learning how to carve out what does it look like? Let's start small because we have so many shoulds on us out there, and so many kind of unrealistic ideas that of of this is what you should look like, and this is what you mm-hmm. you know should be doing at the gym or whatever. So let's bring that down to something that's really feels good and doable now. We it can grow that can grow over time, but make it an essential part of your world of that pie. Watch let it get a little bit bigger and watch what happens to the other pieces of the pie. So we mm-hmm. can kind of get past that idea of I, the work is the thing. Um, mm-hmm. or the sacrifice yes. is is the thing <laughs> and the sacrifice for others is the mm-hmm. thing. It all comes back to if you are feeling better, physically better, if your mind is clearer, you are feeling more optimistic, you are going to show up better as a parent, as a partner, as a leader um, in every aspect of your life. Ooh, wow. That's amazing. 
I want you to call out your new website. You're getting ready to launch in your podcast, if you would. Yes. And we'll go into just some call outs that you may want to recommend to the to our listeners. Thank you so much. Yes. So midlifeoptimized.com is, uh, is, my, is the website and you can read about uh, my, my blog, Her, Her Midlife Optimized, is on there, as well as some coaching programs on midlife mind and body fitness. Um, and I'm really excited about the launch of my podcast, Midlife Optimized, which will be part, part of it will be uh, me talking about kind of a lot of these, these concepts in, in more detail, but also bringing on some terrific guests who have expertise in, in all sorts of different topics from um, looking at um, health factors at, at midlife um, to kind of some new new research and data that's out there, um, as well as bringing people on who have really interesting and inspiring stories about um, about midlife experiences and pivots that they made. A woman who wrote her first book and had it uh, published in, at, at 52, and she's traveling all around the country promoting it. Um, so I'm really excited to kind of shift the uh, old stereotypes about middle-aged and mm-hmm. um, and engage and as well as provide some some really tangible valuable information on the podcast and oh, then uh, <laughs> the uh, the energy advantage is as I mentioned that's the you know my company doing wellness work within organizations and with leaders and uh, I have a training program called live and lead well that's specifically for working with uh, leadership teams to uh, integrate well-being and learn to kind of answer some of these questions of how do we do this um, into their organizations. Fantastic. That is amazing. I love it. Okay. What about, okay, so nonprofits, you, you obviously worked in that world for a long time. You led in that world. Do you have any specific call outs or do you have any other books or anything that you would like to call out as well? Well, I, I, I think my call outs would be to the, to the nonprofit sector in, in general um, that the, I, I want to kind of say, and I, I love the Nonprofit Leadership Center of Tampa Bay. I'm a trainer there. I'm a CEO facilitator and they're doing some incredible work. And then I work with a, a lot of different nonprofits in the area. So without calling any of them out specifically, I will say that there is a a well leadership well-being crisis at it, at its own level within the nonprofit sector because the nonprofit sector is a service-driven um, by by its nature, being mission driven organizations, and so um, I, my experience, and I think uh, empathy with nonprofit leaders and nonprofit organizations um, is something that uh, I, I'm I'm excited to work with nonprofits to help them move away from sacrificial leadership styles and um, move into leadership styles that really allow allow these important organizations to do their good work in our communities. Mm, that's great. I love it. I love the fact that you're still so involved, too, in taking all that wisdom and knowledge and having personal experience in that arena and now adding in all of this additional value that you've created in your own business back into the 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 industry, really. It's, you know, it's kind of its own industry, the nonprofits. So I think that's beautiful that you're doing that. Thank Fantastic. you. It's the great thing about being at this time of life, right, is you find the yes. seeds of the different things that you've been planting all along, right. and they may be growing in, new, in different ways, ways you hadn't intended. Yes, exactly. I think that's a fantastic example of the potential and possibilities that people have. (laughs) Fantastic. 
Stephanie, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know oh. you're super busy, and I think this is fantastic. In the show notes, I will add in the links to your websites and also to um, I'll put the podcast name in there. Great. Can you just give a quick um, call out which listening channels the podcast will be on? It'll be on on all of them: Apple, all Spotify, and yeah, all, anywhere you're listening fantastic. to your podcast, it'll be there. And look for it in uh, late September. Late September. Perfect. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is great. And thank you for the work you're doing and the conversations you're inspiring, Angie. Thanks so much. (laughs) So I have a really great offering that I just launched and it's on the app store right now. I'm working on getting it on Google for any Android phone holders. But if you want to unlock everything about who you are, and I call this like the treasure chest, the treasure chest is what you are filled with when you are born. It's kind of all of this genius, all of this wisdom, all of these gifts, all of these talents that you are actually born with. And over time, what happens is we end up kind of losing these through conditions that happen and around us, programming that happens from external sources, whether it's in our family, whether it's in the community and media and in our school systems and church, et cetera. But all of these things that kind of end up shaping us into who we are today, but leave some of our best self behind. And so what I created was an app. And in this app, this is called the Best Self Activation. There is a seven-day free trial. In this app, you can go into um, two different programs. One is called Foundations, which is really focused around how to create mindfulness in your life and then all areas of your life and being. And then there are a lot of meditations with that um, subscription as well. And then the other track is called Transformations. And this is where I go into all of the life centers that basically work on clearing out inner barriers, self-limiting beliefs and behaviors, as well as patterns that end up unlocking the treasure chest that is you. And if you want to learn more, you can go to www.angiemccourt.com forward slash best hyphen self hyphen activation. This is also in the show notes. You can go to the app store and look for best self activation and download it from there for free. I look forward to connecting with you in the app and definitely want to see your best self unleashed and unlocked. If you like this episode, you can pop it on LinkedIn at Angie Belts McCourt and let me know. And if you really want to say thank you, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts.